Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Mr. Fryer, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you? Here's the latest on what's going on with Major League Baseball before we talk with our guest. According to John Heyman, the union is expected to vote soon on the Major League Baseball offer. Initial read, a quote from a source said, very promising, except they want the 2018 lawsuit that the, the Players Association brought dropped. And there's a deadline, and I'm using air quotes, deadline of an hour from now for a full season. So if they don't get something done, then there won't be. The owner's sneaky as hell, man. They're so sneaky. Hey, we got a deal, right? How about you drop that lawsuit? What? Now we have to go look back at all this stuff, and you only gave us an hour. It doesn't seem very fair. Anyway, if you've been listening to this show, while DeMar DeRozan was on his incredible run of games where he would have over 30 points and he's shooting over 50%, and the only other person that had done it was Wilt Chamberlain, you heard me go into my screed about the 1961-62 NBA MVP voting, the crazy statistics that everyone had in the top five, but how insane the Wilt Chamberlain statistics were. Then, this past week, we had the 60th anniversary of him getting 100 points in a game. And I, I saw Gary Pomerantz writing about it on Twitter, and I was like, man, that's someone I feel like we should probably talk to because I'm crazy about Wilt stats. Gary wrote a bunch of things on Wilt, but he wrote a best-selling book called Wilt 1962, The Night of 100 Points and the Dawn of a New Era. He joins me now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. <laughs> Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Gary, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on with you, Lawrence. I really love looking at Wilt Chamberlain's stats because they, they seem like they're not real. And the one of the stats that I bring up all the time is him averaging 48 and a half minutes in, in 1962, which to me is insane. Like all, all of his numbers from that era are insane. Like as you've gone back and gone through the, and studied Wilt Chamberlain, what 
is the most fascinating thing about his game statistically for you? Well, just what you mentioned. I mean, particularly today in a time of time management for players, people say, well, anybody score 100 points in a game again. My question is, can anyone average more than 48 minutes, which is the full game, as Wilt did? Now, Wilt's coach was Frank McGuire, and Wilt told Frank McGuire, Frank, I can't help this team if I'm sitting on the bench. So McGuire said, all right, Wilty, you'll play every minute of every game. And he, he did. There were a few overtime games, including a triple overtime game that season. So he averaged 48 and a half minutes a game. He missed eight minutes and 33 seconds of the entire season when the referee Norm Drucker threw him out because Wilt had said an unkind word about the referee Earl Strom's mother. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's usually something that will kick you, get you kicked out of the game. It's weird to me. Like It almost seems like Wilt Chamberlain's basketball career was mythology. Because even when you start looking at the the Elgin Baylors and and Bill Russells and look at their numbers, which were also astounding, the stuff that Wilt was doing, it felt like he was from another planet. So what were the things that made him so far above his, his rivals when it came to his individual play? Well, the first thing is when you, you think about Wilt, you have to put aside this idea of the old muscled-up guy in the yellow headband playing for the Lakers. In Hershey, Pennsylvania... 1962, when Wilt scored 100 points, it was a very different Wilt. It was the 25-year-old Wilt, 7'1", 260 pounds. He ran the floor like a train and, you know, had a massive back, a 31-inch waist. You know, he was a decathlete. Lawrence, I'd go so far to say that if you judge athleticism purely on the criteria of size, speed, strength, and agility, than the young Will Chamberlain. That Will Chamberlain might have been the greatest pure athlete of the 20th century, and if not, at least he's in the conversation. I think it's important to know that. Why do you think that when we have the conversations about the greatest players of the game, we we list Michael Jordan, we talk about Kobe Bryant, we talk about LeBron James, and sometimes we even talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Why don't we talk about Wilton that way? Well, Historical illiteracy comes to mind, um, a lack of appreciation for what Wilt did for the NBA. I mean, with all due respect to Michael Jordan and his greatness, I think Michael Jordan's greatness is secure. He cannot be as historically important as Wilt Chamberlain by virtue of the different periods in which they played. By the time Michael got into the NBA, the league had been resuscitated by Magic and Bird. The league was doing just fine, and Michael helped it do better. When Wilt comes into the NBA in 1959, the NBA is like a lounge act. It was a league in search of itself. It wasn't really a national association. There was only one team west of St. Louis, the Lakers, who had moved there a year before. And into this sort of carnival strides Will Chamberlain. In this year you're talking about, 1961-62, Wilt scored 40 points a game against Bill Russell, arguably the greatest defensive center ever. So when you ask how did it happen, why did it happen, Wilt was that good. And, and when, you know, you, you, you think about how would this player do if you moved him into the present day, oh, I think if we moved 25-year-old Wilt Chamberlain into the NBA today, he would do just fine. I think you're right about that. I, 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 now let's talk about the 100-point night. 
because you've done a whole book on this. That you, you, how did it come to pass that Wilt would score a hundred points in one game? Well, Wilt averaged fifty points a game that season. These are comic book superhero numbers, right? Fifty points a game. Fifty point four was the exact number. So forty three times that season, he scored more than fifty points in a game. So in Hershey, he's playing the last place New York Knicks. The Knicks had already given up 63 points in a game to Jerry West of the Lakers earlier that season. They'd given up 71 to Elgin Baylor the year before. They just weren't very good. The Knicks had two six-foot-ten-inch centers. One, Daryl Imhoff, was a rookie. He had won a gold medal with the U.S. Olympic team in 1960 at the Rome Olympics. But Imhoff, that night in Hershey, fouled out after playing just 20 minutes. Now, the other six-foot-ten-inch center wasn't going to help much because he wasn't even in the arena. He was 13 miles away at the Hotel Penn Harris in Harrisburg, the state capital, vomiting because of a late-night bender the night before. So Phil Jordan, he's not going to be a factor. That means for 28 of the 48 minutes that night in Hershey, the tallest player the Knicks had to defend Wilt was a six-foot-eight-inch rookie. Cleveland Buckner, who was kind of built like a flagpole, didn't have much weight on him. And so, that you know, nobody knew that Will was where he was with his point total because it's not a day where you look up on the big board above the court and say, oh, number 13, big fella, you know, 77 points. They didn't have those then. They just had an old metallic uh, scoreboard used for the Hershey Bears hockey team. But when there's seven and a half minutes to play, Will's scores and he's fouled and Harvey Pollack the statistician for the Philadelphia Warriors Wilt's team gives Dave Zinkoff the PA announcer a sheet of paper that says Wilt has just broken his own scoring record so at that point Zinkoff announced it ladies and gentlemen a new scoring record has been created by Wilt Chamberlain he has 79 points and then he makes those two free throws so now he's got 81 and at that moment Everybody suddenly has context, and everything becomes intensified. For Wilt's warriors, it's a sense of curiosity that's intensified. Can the big fella actually do this? His high had been 78 points in a triple overtime game earlier that season. For the Knicks, the poor last place Knicks, it's their sense of dread, Lawrence, that intensifies. They're thinking, if this guy scores 100 points, People are going to be talking about this in 60 years. And we are. And he did. So this game wasn't televised, right? There was no television at all on this? No TV at all. And um, there were just, none of the New York sports writers came down. It was game 75 out of 80. So the, the Warriors were too far behind Red Auerbach and, and uh, Bill Russell Celtics to catch him. The Knicks were going to finish last. So it was just playing out the string. And it was Wilt muscling up. You see, Wilt muscled up when he, when he wanted to. Like when he played against Walt Bellamy for the first time that season. Walt Bellamy, the great rookie for the Chicago Packers. They meet for the first time in the International Amphitheater in Chicago. And, and so as Wilt got charged up to play Oscar Robertson and Elgin Baylor and Russell, now it's Walt Bellamy. And Bellamy could appear formal. He comes out to half court for the opening tip and says, hello, Mr. Chamberlain. I'm Walter Bellamy. Wilt extends his hand and shakes it and says, hello, Walter. You won't get a shot off in the first half. And he blocks 
Bellamy's first nine shots from inside the free throw line that night. Bellamy couldn't shoot. He couldn't breathe. He was in shell shock. And he comes out for the second half tip and Wilt says to Bellamy, okay, Walter, now you can play. Wow. And he outscored Bellamy 51 to 14 that night in a Warriors win. Wilt was just that kind of guy. He was 7-1 and his ego was bigger. Remember, you're not going to score 100 points without an ego. You have to not only want to do it, you have to, on a deeper level, need to do it. And this was Will bending not just the team, but an entire sport to his will in Hershey. Did did his teammates want him to get, like, did they actively help him get the 100 points? Well, the answer is yes, particularly in the last seven and a half minutes when, it, when the game became kind of a Kind of a joke because what happened is the Knicks start running a weave. They're stalling. They're, you know, they're 20 points behind and they're stalling because they don't want Will to get the ball and, and, and score. And, and the Warriors counter by putting in some reserves to foul the Knicks quickly to get the ball back to Wilt. So the game takes on sort of this caricature of a real game. Huh. But the thing is, Lawrence, you know, this game should not be seen as a carnival act. This game had real meaning, real symbolism, because what Will Chamberlain did that entire season by averaging 50 points a game and by throwing down that 100-point thunderbolt in Hershey was to symbolically blow apart the racial quota that NBA owners had at that time that limited the number of black players to just a few per team. NBA owners felt, you know, if, if there were too many black players on a team, whatever that meant, then white fans wouldn't come to games. This was also a time when NBA owners felt that if you televised the game, none of the local fans would show up. They had some learning to do in a lot of different ways. And that night was a statement by Wilt, a statement that said the NBA will be a white man's enclave no longer. Gary Pomerantz is joining me. You should check out his book because he's written extensively about Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt 1962, The Night of 100 Points and the Dawn of a New Era. Gary, did people believe that he had scored 100 points? Well, this, again, it's, you know, when Kobe scored 81 in 2006, 15 minutes after the game, you could go online and buy a DVD of his performance. When Wilt scored 100, it was like the mighty oak fell in the forest in the middle of the night and no one saw it or heard it. You know, it had been prophesied that he would score 100 points in a game, you know, if, if the planets aligned. And in answer to your earlier question, his teammates did go along with it. And they, they got him the ball. And, and I think people don't consider that for, for someone to score 100 points, his teammates have to be willing accomplices. They have to subvert their egos and say, Let's see if this can happen. And and 100, I mean, you know, it's like Kobe at 81 went to the moon and Wilt at 100. He went to, he went to Mars. It, the whole thing to me is amazing. The iconic photo of him holding up a piece of paper with 100. How did that happen? Well, there was a professional photographer who was there at the game that night for the local Harrisburg paper, but he apparently had a lot of events to cover that night and left after the first quarter there oh, was oh, no <laughs> he missed something didn't he yes um, yes was, he did <laughs> like history um but there was an 
off-duty associated press photographer there named Paul Bathis. And he was there with his son on his 10th birthday. He took his son there as a birthday present. Now, Bathis wasn't just any photographer. The year before, he had won a Pulitzer Prize for a photo he took of the young President John Kennedy walking with the former President Dwight Eisenhower. Along, They were walking along a path at Camp David, and it was shot from behind. It was you know, a beautiful photograph, and he wins the Pulitzer Prize. So at the end of the third quarter in Hershey, when Wilt's got 69 points, Bathis tells his son, you stay right here. I'm going out to the car, get my camera from the trunk. And thank goodness he did, because he came back and stationed himself beneath one of the baskets. I think he said he only had 20 photos left in his camera to to use that night. In the post-game locker room, he went in, and, and this is, you know, a little uh, locker room. It's antiquated. There's just a solitary bench there, and Wilt's sitting there. And uh, the Bathis says to Harvey Pollock, the statistician and publicist and do-everything kind of guy for the Warriors, Harvey, can I get a picture of Wilt? And Harvey says, let's see. Yeah, yeah, what can we do? And he gets a sheet of paper and writes. It looked like a Sharpie. I don't even know if the Sharpies existed then. But he writes one zero zero and hands it to Wilt and said, Wilt, hold this. You know, we've all seen this photograph, right? It's a black and white photograph. And it, I, I would encourage your listeners to go back and stare at it again and, and just stare at it for a few moments. Because, you know, you can see that behind Wilt, there's two hooks on the wall. He's got his trousers and his jacket. His knees on this little bench are up in his chest. He's got his good luck rubber band on his wrist. He's soaked in sweat, and he's got this sheepish grin. And, Lawrence, it might be the greatest basketball photo ever taken. And it wasn't even taken on the court. This was just Wilt in his element, on his night, the night he scored 100 points. When you saw DeMar DeRozan have his name attached to Wilt Chamberlain because he goes on this incredible streak of games – where he scores 35 or more and he does it on 50% shooting and it hadn't been done since Wilt done, had done it. How, how proud should DeMar DeRozan be to have his name attached to something that Wilt Chamberlain didn't do? Well, very proud. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment today. Uh, it's a quite an accomplishment at any time. Uh, and, you know, DeRozan is a fine player. But Wilt Chamberlain was a seminal player. He was a timeless player. Oscar Robertson has said, and I agree with this, that Wilt Chamberlain saved the NBA single-handedly when it needed saving in the early 60s. He was the guy that people wanted to see, the guy who scored 100 points in a game. We've all heard the famous line from the Boston Red Sox star Ted Williams, who used to say when he walked down the street, he wanted people to point at him and say, there goes the greatest hitter who ever lived. Well, Wilt did not initially embrace the 100-point game. Um, In fact, it took decades for him to really comprehend what it was about. He thought it just fed the notion that he was an individualist interested only in his statistics. But he came to see how much it meant to other people. And part of it is the symbolism of 100. If he scored 98 or even 102, it just wouldn't have stayed with us as much. There's a you know, a symmetry. A yeah, I mean, in our culture, it's a perfect score on a test, a hundred or a century, um, and and so this was this was 
know, the young Wilt putting his stamp, his, his signature on the game. Gary, I really appreciate you being available. And uh, this is lovely. Like, the feedback I'm getting from people who are listening, like, they, they're they loving getting this type of history. So if they want to get more history with the, the bunch of books that you've written, where can they find your book about Wilt and anyone else? Well, so two NBA books, two basketball books I've written, and they can get these certainly online, Amazon and other online booksellers. Wilt, 1962, the book you're referring to, came out 18 years ago. Uh, and, and it's called Wilt 1962, the, uh, the Night of 100 Points and the Dawn of a New Era. Uh, more recently, three years ago, I wrote a book called um, The Last Pass. And it's about Bob Cousy and Bill Russell. And Cousy's late in life regrets, racial regrets, that he didn't do more publicly, stand up for Bill Russell and de- defend him against the racism he faced in Boston and around the league. Can, can I have you back on, and can we talk about that book, too? Uh, yes, I would love that. Uh, you do great work, Lawrence. You bring sports to life. You contextualize it. Great respect for the work you do. I'd be honored to be on again. Thank you. Thank you so much for being available. That was great. Nice work, Brandon. I love getting people like that on the air and talking to them about stuff. And I remember the All-Star game two years ago, there was all sorts of stuff that was going on in Chicago. Like there's, you know, like this person's having a party or this person's having a charity event. And D Rose had a game at Sabina at St. Sabina. And, you know, I was, I was actually going out and being in the public shockingly enough. And Bill Russell was there. Like it was a high school tournament and Bill Russell was sitting courtside. And it was amazing, like, just to see, like, it's Bill Russell. Like, he was 50 feet away from me. And seeing, it's it's so interesting because when we see celebrity now, people usually, like, rush a celebrity. And it was so interesting to me that with Russell, everyone gave him his room. Older guy, obviously, big guy, needs the space. But there was a level of reverence that he was given that you don't see celebrity in back then, with 2020 and 2022, that you don't see. It was incredible. And I'd love to, I'm, I gotta, now I got to read that book. So I can have a detailed discussion with Gary on that. Because I think that there are plenty of, I bet there are players now. I bet there are black and white players. Now they're like, man, I could have done more for Colin. And I didn't. To have Bob Cousy be like, I could have done more. Because the stuff, if you've ever read any of the things that were said about and to Bill Russell, like one of our greatest Americans, it will break your heart. Some of the things that were done to Bill Russell, it'll break your heart. So to have someone say, I could have done more, it's a step in the right direction. That was great stuff. I'm glad that Gary was available. Go get his book. Support this man. Go get his book about Wilt. His name is Gary Pomerantz. Gary Pomerantz. 
Go get his book totals up because he just took, took us to church on Wilt Chamberlain, and it's appreciated. We'll talk bulls after this on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. It's time for the two-minute report. Two minutes. What? Not one, but two. Oh, say less. It's time for the two-minute report on the Lawrence Holmes Show. Can't wait. Broken up by Jones to Thompson to White. 23-22, Bulls by one, and a cut on the back door, and a two-handed slam, Derek Jones Jr. Now DeRozan on the pump, but a spin on Livers, and the pass deflected off the glass. Here's Detroit in transition. Olenek, the trailer, Diallo in the right corner, and an open three by McGruder is good. Wow. Oh my. Cunningham weaving deep in the paint. Cunningham to the rim. Wow. Oh, got it. He negotiated that dribble drive all the way to the rim. <laughs> Cunningham, oh, he just put Io on skates in the right corner and a three up and good by Sadiq Bay. Wow, what a handle by Cunningham. 62-61 Detroit. It. And to the rack, count it and a foul. Boot. 
with the hoop, the harm, and one. DeRozan to the rim. DeRozan with the finish with the left-hand layup. On the left angle, and DeMar, give me the rock and get out of the way. He's got a game high, 25. Over the midcourt line, Olenek out of control. He turned it over. Boots with the steal to DeMar DeRozan. Over the timeline, right corner, Kobe, the step back, rainbow three. Bam! We're down to the final 70 seconds as the Bulls try to end a five-game slide. DeRozan, circle right, comes up shooting, got it! Another big-time shot for a big-time player, and we're talking about Debo. Detroit has not attempted a shot. We're down to the final two seconds on the left wing, Bay for three, bounce off the window, ball game over. Bulls win, Bulls win, Bulls win. The losing streak is over at five, and the final from Motown. Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, you know we love you. 114, 108, Bulls. How badly did you guys need a win tonight? Very bad. Tonight was definitely a de um, desperate night for us to get a win. It was sluggish here and there. You know, we all kind of got each got on each other in the third quarter to pick it up, and we did. Highlights courtesy of the score. Chuck and Bill on the call. I'm going to go back to the Bulls in a second, but there, there's – it's bubbling up. Baseball is bubbling up. They're hulking up. Oh, my God. They're hulking up. This from MLB Media on MLB Network. It was reported by Mark Feinson that the CBA should be ratified. Remember, there's a deadline of 3 Eastern, which is going to happen in 24 minutes. Opening day would move to April 7th according to MLB.com. Spring games would start next week. Spring games would start the 17th and 18th. It doesn't seem like, I'm like, is that the right amount of time between pitchers and catchers reporting and spring games starting? But okay. And free agency would begin tonight. Let's hope that the sources that Mark is talking to are correct. But I'm left being a little bit skeptical because it was reported on MLB Network and they've used all of us to try and negotiate. So we've seen this now happen twice where it looks like things are close and then there's they're not quite close. Well, it feels like they're close, especially if you're talking about specific dates. But that could also be them saying to the public, through me, I understand I might be being used as a vessel. You had it, and then you took it away, you greedy players. That's what they could do. All right, now back to the Bulls. Bulls with a win last night against Detroit. And if news breaks while I'm on the air, we will get to it. And I know that, that Parkinson, the Parkinson Spiegel show will be on it. Either way. Last night, the Bulls got a... A, a win that they desperately needed. To say it's a must win would be crazy because they're the fourth seed, and had they lost, they would have been the fifth seed. And it's still March. But they did need a win. In fact, last night you saw Tristan Thompson kind of go off. Like he was using all sorts of four and 12-letter words to, to make his point last night on the bench. 
Casey Johnson asked DeMar DeRozan about that after the game. Billy was just talking about that desperation and mentioning some of the, the words and the huddles you and Zach and, and Tristan kind of taking a leadership role. What was said that we couldn't see? Things that I can't repeat. <laughs> you know, but it got everybody going where we needed to go. And, you know, um, we got a W. DeMar did the thing last night. 28 points in the second half for him. 36 points to spark a 22-9 to run. Zach, I thought, was aggressive. You heard me talking about how I want him to be more aggressive. He was that. He shot 11 free throws. He was going. I am, for every one of those, like, spin around, step back three-pointers that Zach makes, he misses, like, three of them. And I don't want him to stop because, you know, I want him to stay aggressive. But last night I was getting frustrated with his three-point shooting and some of the looks he was taking to, to get the shots off. But he finished with 25 points last night, one for seven from three. Definitely more aggressive in last night's game, which I thought was a, a big step in the right direction. Quiet as it's kept. Io's night was pretty awesome. I'm read his line. And remember, this is a second-round pick rookie. Nine points, four rebounds, seven assists, three steals. For IO last night. And he also went flying into the crowd. Trying to track down a loose ball. There's still some issues defensively. And this Detroit team. You're not going to be able to beat up on them much longer. You're really not. Kay Cunningham is a player. And for some reason. Sadiq Bay and. Jeremy Grant. They get up for these games against the Bulls. They really, really do. Billy Donovan talked about the importance of last night's win, and I think he agrees about Detroit not being a doormat for much longer. We had been talking about it, but I thought the leadership by DeMar, even by Zach, you know, even Tristan, just in those timeouts about what they needed to do. And again, you know, I, I do think, and I said this, I think, for game, Detroit to me was a totally different team than the one we faced, and Sometimes, you know, you, you got to catch up to the speed of the game and the, the wailing. And, um, you know, Bagley's obviously a, a, an addition. Olympic didn't play last time. They had some guys out. Jeremy Grant didn't play. So, you know, you're, you're kind of getting a feel for some of these guys you hadn't seen maybe in a while. But we kind of caught up, I think, to the speed of the game. But there was no question, you know, our ability to close and um, contain the basketball, you know, in that first part of the game was, was, was challenging. And, you know, for whatever reason, whether we got caught up to the game or – we were just on point really, really well defensively. And that was good. And, you know, I thought we started the game really well. I really liked the way we played on both ends of Florida start. You know, I thought once we, you know, after that six minute part, Martin, some of it's probably, you know, was on the rotation part of it just because we felt like the medical guys with Vooch, you know, his rotation got a little bit. So he was now in that second unit. The second unit was maybe a little bit off, but I didn't want to sit Vooch too long, you know, six minutes and wait another six or eight minutes to put him have been good so i uh, tried to save some of his during the second half so that probably contributed to when we subbed in you know those guys maybe not used to playing with one another I thought that second unit we kind of let the game get away a little bit not too far but we had a nice lead and we we're playing really good basketball we gave up I think three straight threes in a row we kind of lost the lead and then I thought you know again the fourth we, we played much better I should have mentioned Vooch offensively Vooch looked really good last night 21 points for him 
I thought that he could have been more of a menace on the on the glass, but he was doing the scoring. And the Bulls did a good job of identifying, like I was talking about yesterday, the secondary pass out of a trap, then that next pass going to the bucket. And Vooch did a great job, I thought, offensively in the post last night with scoring. Things get harder from here. Cleveland is on the schedule for the Bulls on Saturday at the United Center. That game is significant now because now now you're looking at can the Bulls, like I've changed my focus on it, can the Bulls host an opening round series, which means can they get and stay in the four spot? Because right now they're a half game out of five and what, like a game and a half out of six? Then things start getting real ugly after that. So this is a huge game that they have against Cleveland on Saturday night, which is something that Billy Donovan has talked about, how he wants his guys to play some more of these games and understand the consequences that go along with it. I don't know how comfortable I am overall with DeMar having to do the DeMar thing And I felt like he needed every one of those 36 that he gave you last night, and it was an efficient 36. When it comes to them playing in a a series in the playoffs, we shall see. Whatever's going on with baseball, I'll keep you updated. There's a couple other things I want to talk about. We'll do that next here on The Score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I wrote this down on my notepad today for things that I want to talk about. And I just wrote Carson Wentz. I don't get it because I really don't. I don't get why anyone would trade for him at this point in his career. If you wanted to sign him off the street, like if he was on waivers or something, I would maybe understand it more. But in the case of Washington, I, I actually think that, the quarterback that they have in Taylor Heineke is on par, especially when you consider what you're paying him and what you would give up. And let me also throw some love to someone that I ordinarily throw some shade to. You know who else is better than Carson Wentz? Mitch Trubisky. And it wouldn't have cost you making trades and giving away trade assets to get him. There are so many questions about what's wrong with the Washington franchise from their their scandals with cheerleaders and the owner being incredibly, I got to be very careful with my words, not someone that you would want to own your team or have around your people. The idea that Carson Wentz is going to come into Washington and save the day and the idea that your football operation was like, you know, you know what we need. We need Carson Wentz, and we need to give away picks to get him. Wow. That tells me that your franchise is going backwards. At times, I feel bad for Ron Rivera, but he's right in the middle of all of this, and they're not going to make this move if he doesn't sign off on it. Good luck to you, but we all saw Carson Wentz. Statistics be damned. That dude's not very good. Good luck with all of that, Commanders. I'll talk with Parkinson Spiegel next here on The Score.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.